Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Been thinking about McDonald's all day. Can't get it off my mind. I can already taste it. Ooh, got my mind on my mouth and my mouth ready for some Mickey D's deal. There's a deal for every moment at McDonald's. Right now, get two of your favorites for just $3.50. Mix and match a classic McChicken, a hot and spicy McChicken, or a juicy McDouble. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Single item at regular price. Hello, my name is Dave Hanready, and there will be no encore. I sound like I was breaking news there, didn't yeah. I? <laughs> I was just like really overly sincere. <laughs> Hello, my name is Dave Hanready, and there will be no encore. Welcome to episode 189 of the No Encore Music Podcast. Craig Fitzpatrick to Hello. my left. What's up? How's your drinking water situation? I haven't been drinking the water. I brushed my teeth with Evian this morning. <laughs> <laughs> it was very decadent. <laughs> I felt really bad. I, I'm not sure why. It's like <laughs> I paid for the water. <laughs> please, please keep on this track here. This is no, amazing. I just, You're I unraveling. Don't know. Yeah, I just, it just, it happened. I was, <laughs> I was running late. I didn't know what to do. <laughs> Evian was there and it helped me. You didn't chance it, no? No, no, I wouldn't chance it. I and I'm in Leaks Up, which is where the problem came from, apparently. Okay. Right? So, um, I don't know. It feels like the world's coming to an end. Okay, right. <laughs> Welcome back to the show. <laughs> to Sarah Corcoran from Pillow Queens. Hello. Hello. Thanks for having me back. You join us for the end of the world. Do you brush your teeth with fancy French water? I brushed my teeth with water from the kettle this morning and it was just boiled. So that was a creepy experience. Oh, yeah, yeah, it was very strange. And then I just spat it into the sink. Oh, it, was, it was very odd. The kitchen sink as well. Oh, the God. whole thing was just a little bit yeah. strange. I like, don't there's like nothing it. wrong with doing that into a kitchen sink, but it always feels weird. I felt very wrong. Yeah. 
I forgot about the whole situation and I've brushed my teeth at least three times with that water. Now, oh, granted, no. like, I think talk, it's fine. You're, you're talking like swallowing a drop it. just to wet the toothbrush. <laughs> we all wet the toothbrush, Didn't you right? you confirm recently that you're not supposed to, like, gargle after you brush your teeth? With water, yeah. Yeah. You're supposed to just spit it out and, I guess, get a towel around your mouth and <laughs> keep it going, yeah. That's the thing. I'm not. I'm no expert. But, but there's all paste left in your mouth, then what do you do with it? Eat it? You let it dissolve. Yeah. No, you'd eat it. Really? Yeah, well, yeah, because you'd swallow course. and yeah. then it would be in your stomach. It's not solid, though. It's not like it's like a piece of food. Yeah, but you can eat drink soup it. and that's you liquid. Digest it. Do you eat soup? You can eat soup. Yeah, I think it you d- drink soup. Do you drink soup? I Are we eat into this? soup. It, d- it depends on the soup. <laughs> I think it, I think if you have a spoon, you're not drinking the soup. Exactly. You're eating it, yeah. Right. But and it, if you have a toothbrush, you're eating the toothpaste. <laughs> you're eating the toothpaste. That's I, how it works. I bought a new toothbrush on the way to the show. Oh, wow. Not because of the water problem. I just thought I needed one. So that's why you brought it up, just so you could talk about that's the new a, toothbrush. Yeah, that's a great feeling, buying a new toothbrush. Oh, dude. Isn't I mean, it? You, you feel like, like you're set for life, I'm, just with no, everything. You're like, all oh, my problems are going away. I didn't know that you necessarily were, but I feel like I feel, I feel like you are. I bought a few things in The Chemist. And yeah, I, and like I re- an old boots trip. Yeah, it was, a, it was a boots trip. So I bought like a new razor, right? Great. A new toothbrush, some really fancy toothpaste, moisturizer. And uh, deodorant, very good. Nice. Like you're you're talking like forty quid's worth. At wow. The, like, Here we go. Give a boots card. <laughs> no, so you, you should that. get one. <laughs> but or I, you should use mine oh, when you're doing these extravagant the purchases. <laughs> it's it's like a twice a year thing. And while I was yeah. there, I was like, well, I go upstairs and get a flu job. Nah, I won't bother. Get a flu job. <laughs> <laughs> the flu job. Sorry. This is a music podcast. Um, should be noted that uh, it's very rare that we're in the company of someone who can call themselves Woman of the Year. Yes. Congratulations. Amazing, thank you, thank you. Irish Tatler, I believe. Yes. Named Pillow Queens Women of the Year. Yeah, in the musician category, but whatever. I'm not telling no, people it, that it, there's it any can't. difference. No, no, don't, don't let people We know. are Women of the Year. There was a big gala for this? Yes, and there was. Uh, it was a Cointreau-sponsored event, and I drank way too much. Nice. I did not feel like Woman of the Year the Sunday afterwards when I was ordering McDonald's to my bed. Nice. Did you get to do like a big speech? Was there a scope we, to kind They'd of asked us if we wanted scores, to or? do a speech, and we said, no, nah, no, we won't. We'd rather, we'd rather eat, drink, and be merry. And then when it actually came to it, we had We were merry eaten. enough to want to do a yes, speech. Yes, exactly, yeah. yeah. So we did a speech. Oh, wow. Well, Pamela did a speech, but I mean, she didn't mess it up. It was great. It was fine. So, I mean, this is like a, like, like it's a big thing. These, like, these are like very glitzy nights out for mm. people. And it's not like you're like, it's five other people. You were given, the, this was, you were chosen. Yeah. So how do you get informed of this? They sent us an email. We thought it was a prank. <laughs> I was on the woman who emailed us. I was on her LinkedIn, making sure that she was actually working for Tatler because I was like, this is definitely somebody who I went to school with, pulling my leg. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, but no, they weren't. They basically said... You've been nominated and we'd like to invite you along to the award ceremony, which is happening in the Shelburne, and let us know if you want to make a speech. And then they'd send us like a dress code, asked us if we wanted to bring plus ones. I brought my mom. Oh, Very nice. Amazing. Yeah, it was cool. Was your mom hyped? Oh, she was the most hyped. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you feel different now? Like, like has it sunk in? Um, I weirdly kind of do because it's the first sort of... Um, reference point that people like in work and my extended family know what Tatler is you know like yeah, I could yeah, tell yeah. them oh we're touring with Soak or we're opening for Two Door Cinema Club and they're like I don't know what any of these words mean I don't know what you're saying whereas if I say well, we're woman of the year in Tatler they're like I know what that is that's cool yeah. so it's you're kind of brought me up a level yeah yeah yeah, yeah. awesome 
I feel I feel a proper level just just being in, in, in your presence there. <laughs> yeah, we all do. But obviously, as you know, you have been on tour with Soak. You have opened for Tudor Cinema yes. Club. Uh, these things have happened quite recently. I believe the Olympia Theatre for Tudor? yeah for two nights, and then we went to Belfast for Tudor Cinema Club, and then we went to New York for the first time, which oh, was wow. crazy. It was really really cool. Where'd you play? Uh, we played in pianos on the Lower East Side, and it was cool. So hip. So hip. So hip. <laughs> the whole thing was so hip. <laughs> And uh, yeah, that was amazing. We were kind of over and back within three days, so it was pretty exhausting, but very cool. Yeah. Um, and then we're going. We're playing Puka Festival in Trim um, on oh, the first of November. The this thing. is like yeah, the Halloween yeah. team thing. Yeah. Um, so that'll be cool. It's in Trim Castle, and there was a scene of Braveheart film there, so I'm excited to visit it. Um, and then we head to LA for the first time. We're playing in uh, downtown LA, a venue there for it's a school night. And then three days later, we're in Iceland for Airways Festival on the 7th of November. So. And I'm going nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm planning on just like having a nice quiet weekend in. Yeah. yeah, it's all good. So yeah, fucking, it has been a really productive year. Yeah, super. And uh, album on the way? Album on the way, 2020. We have recorded half of it and there's a new single coming out November 1st. So Exciting. Yeah, there'll be a video for that as well, which is gorgeous. So I'm excited to share it. Unreal. Mm-hmm. Are any of these gigs that you played happen to take place at like one in the morning? Or are these all <laughs> at a reasonable hour? Uh, I think they're all reasonable hours. Uh, yeah, I think so. Okay. Reason I ask, Craig. Go on. <laughs> Don't do this. <laughs> Last weekend, our good friend Dohi, of course, released his Our new good album. friend. <laughs> he released his Showmate. album. Showmate. <laughs> released his album, which is great. And we've, you know, we've, we've been talking a lot about it. Lost his name. Gorgeous, L-O-S-S. Go, go look it up. Um, there was a launch gig in the Button Factory, late gig. And on the day itself, uh, I was texting back and forth with Craig over here. And I was saying, like, I, I had decided, and I told Dahi in advance, I decided like two days like in advance and then five times on the day itself that I wasn't going to go. Because mm-hmm. I was just so crippling work run, feeling run down, you know, old man, the usual boring stuff. I was in the same boat. <laughs> you very much were. And yeah. I was like, okay, I'm not going to go. Dahi understands. It's fine. It's grand. But then I was like... Committed to the whole idea. I literally like got like fucking got like a pizza. Watched Fight Club. You know, twenty years on, it holds up. I, still, I, 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 that was a film I was obsessed with. By the way, when I was younger, absolutely obsessed with it. I've got more problems now with it than I did have before, yeah. including the fan base who missed the point of the film. Yeah, well, that was the. But it is still great. I think. So, I'm, but it's, it's ten o'clock. It's Saturday. I've already texted Craig, being like, "I'm not going to go," and you said, "I'm not going to go either." Yeah, and I was like, great, cool, we we have that solidarity, you know, we can fall back on each other, we're both wrecked, it'll be good. So it's like 10 o'clock, 10 past 10, and I'm start, I start to get like, I should probably go, I really oh should God. probably go. And I was talking to someone, and she was like, look, it's his album launch, it's not like it's a birthday, it's not like it's a gig, it's his album launch, you'll really regret it if you don't go, I know you're fucking sick and everything, but like, you want to go, don't you? And I was like, yeah, I do, I do want to go, fuck it, you're right. So yeah, close on, a quarter past 11 bus into town, <laughs> stepping off the bus. Greeted like, by Craig Fitzpatrick. <laughs> no, no that did not happen. <laughs> no, you weren't there, sadly. Um, I was asleep. But it was like 20, I'm sorry, 20 to midnight getting off the bus, like smack bang into the middle of town on a Saturday in Dublin. I never go out on a Saturday in Dublin because I just think it's just too fucking overwhelming. And it really, really was. And it's just, yeah, it was people everywhere. 
all kinds of vibes. As for the gig, very good, Craig. I had a good time. So uh, yeah, it go. seemed to be great, and I feel sick now that I missed it. <laughs> no. I can only apologise. He was in great yeah. form. It was a really good show. Lots of guest vocalists: Sinead White, Alvaretti, our good friend David Tapley, yes. who came on stage. By Roving the way, reporter, very the theatrically. Look, he was wearing a turtleneck. Probably in tribute to that guy who was in Question Time. Of course, yeah. But you know, oh, the whole island, the whole island. The whole island. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and he was like, you know, very like beat poet from the seventies in front of a crowd that did not know who he was, didn't really want to hear from him because they only want their their banger bops but you know Tappy prevailed and it was good it he was often good. does yeah good crowd of people lots of Dahi's friends were there Craig um, <laughs> <laughs> oh my god I knew this was gonna happen I knew this was gonna happen went you're back, a bad person <laughs> went backstage afterwards hung out with people all the good you did by going to that gig is now undone by doing this to me <laughs> <laughs> to be fair I only do it because it's okay yes he's not upset I know <laughs> yeah so there you go so that was Saturday night and then we did go to a gig together, Craig. Yeah, I'd recover. You are capable. <laughs> <laughs> I'm capable. Tell us about Chromatics. Put on, Tell us about Chromatics. Well, they came on stage at half nine, which is a very reasonable hour. <laughs> Chromatics were amazing, yeah? Um, you enjoyed us, didn't you? Yeah, they were great. Um, first Dublin gig, in, first Irish gig in six years. Yeah. And just the coolest band ever. Like, like the, every, everything was on point. Yeah. Visually, like the visuals before they came on stage, I was just like, I want that to be my screensaver Incredible. forever. They had like, they had like this thing of like... Up two kind of side by side like kind of postery kind of style art and very like chromatic so very like you know 80s cinema and 70s mm. cinema very kind of like horror kind of yellow stuff like the classic movie posters that you just don't get anymore mm. with them in them and like fake movies that don't exist and real movies that do and all kinds of just like cool stuff happening for like approximately what 10 20 minutes well before they came on which yeah, yeah. really kind of built up the atmosphere then they played 15 tracks nothing off the new album <laughs> yeah which is kind of further confirmation that the new album's kind of stuff they had lying around and maybe a stopgap until Dear Tommy I don't know it's good stuff they had lying around but yeah but they played a great set they did yeah Um, Ruth Radula is the coolest person ever she's brilliant yeah her cover of I'm on fire was something else it was was, until let's talk about it oh some of the the crowd crowd. crowd I mean my god I mean amazing band amazing set and the crowd were bizarre the crowd were like a mixture a mixture of hipster apathy which you find it's chromatics (laughs) well they were getting cheered and they were getting good responses after every song but there was just like no movement on the floor yeah considering like the sound was quite a bit beefier than I was expecting like it felt like there was a lot of bangers there rather than the kind of icy cool you know detached thing you I was also expect. very scared that they would have like a half empty room because you know like not a big venue not a lot of promotion how beloved are they over here but it was close to sold out I am like, more was, or less it was, it was pretty good yeah. But yeah, apathetic crowd and also just like they're playing and they're playing really, really well and they're like some of their songs are getting these kind of class crescendos and I can just hear maybe it's where I was standing middle of the balcony but like fucking hell man beer garden chatter like left and right and centre and up and down and maybe it all gravitates towards where I was but I could just hear people having like full blown conversations and those kind of casual conversations about like work or someone that they're seeing or what they're doing mm. at the weekend and I'm like I can think of 12 other places for you to be right now to be having those conversations. Yeah. What are you doing? It, it was odd. Like, it was it was kind of a thing of where are they coming from because I couldn't put my finger on, like, what is the reference point? What is the song that they're like, we know this one song, so we'll mm. go and see Chromatics. I don't know where... Do you know what I mean? Yeah. They don't even have that kind of crossover moment, really. The encore as well, uh, Ruth comes back out on her own and she does I'm on Fire. Yeah, and it's stunning. absolutely magnificent. And the crowd is tuning into it and it is shutting up. And then she's saying, you know, like, I'm on fire, I'm on fire. And then some <laughs> fucking bloke in the crowd goes, yeah, you are. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, gets a laugh, you know. And I, I, I honestly, I swear to God, listen, I mean, I'm sure you don't. But if you listen to this show, <laughs> stop listening to this show. Yes. Stop listening to music. Stop, <laughs> stop going to gigs. <laughs> 
I fucking hate it. Like, do you like? like do you get a lot of heckles or like even problems? Because like no, the Queen's gigs are very. Oh, oh, sorry, you were talking, very, sir. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, we'll get to your music career in a moment, yeah. Craig. But like, like Pillow Queen's gigs are lively, obviously very inclusive, yeah. very inviting, all the kind of stuff. Like, I can't imagine you have to deal with a lot of shit, do you? Not really. No, we've been. I know, lucky. Um, but. Yeah, there was a gig in Glasgow last week and I had stupidly worn a boiler suit which I'd bought like the previous day. It was like the heaviest thing. Like it was like a mechanics uniform basically that I was wearing but just like nothing under it because I thought this is a fine gear outfit to wear. Like this is perfect. (laughs) So um, went on stage anyway, one song in and I was just like pumping sweat. I was like, this is terrible. So I had to kind of acknowledge it to the crowd and then they started like pumping smoke out behind me and I was like okay this is getting ridiculous and I might need to just like take the top half down and at that point the crowd were just kind of like yeah take it off take it off I was like I kind of brought that upon myself so right. it's fine um, but the rest of the band quickly brought me back down to earth and were like please don't do that Sarah I was like okay sorry <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah I don't know I just I like crowd fucking Bizarreness continues to yeah. be a I thing. Yeah, I had to shush a couple of people. Did but you? it didn't actually, it didn't overall annoy me that much. It was kind of, it was limited enough. I thought they got a good response. They did. Um, it wasn't like a, like a horrible thing, but it was more of the casualness of it. And also, I'm pretty sure like one of the support act was standing behind me for like the last few songs. Yeah, probably. I don't know Desire if it was the singer from Desire, but like it was clearly a friend of hers and a tour mate because of some of the stuff she was saying. Um, she had an American accent and she was, you know, kind of like, you know, sc- screaming on for Ruth and stuff. And that was kind of like, fine, that's like, that's a different kind of it. Like you're obviously, you're part of this fucking crew and you're not being boisterously I don't want to be here but yeah I don't care I, I, I love the image of you shushing people though <laughs> had to be done had to be done <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was like right by the kind of exit doors as well so it was like you could just be standing at the bar having this conversation rather than disrupting everyone else but yeah. um, now it was a great gig I loved the final moment of like Johnny Jewel still on stage and just went like head and hands and stood there for a kind of uncomfortably long amount of time it was brilliant <laughs> people were just like putting on their coats and like, <laughs> like, is it over and yeah. Johnny's just like theatrically standing there it was great it was a hell of a show feedback. the sellers was genuinely fantastic and yeah. they are great band. ridiculously cool they said they won't leave it six years which hopefully is true because uh, I'd like to see them again pretty I soon. saw someone on Twitter be like you know it was a great gig to kind of wrap up the decade and it kind of made sense because they have had a huge influence on that whole synth wave sound it's yeah. kind of the you know did sum up a couple of years the visuals were fucking incredible as well brilliant like they had like just really cool stuff happening at all times like yeah so it was great very much enjoyed it so uh, what else we got here yeah so Kanye West is allegedly releasing uh, his album it's out now it's out now Jesus is king (laughs) praise the lord well I mean I guess we don't know you'll listeners will know more than us right now yeah I know very Um, little myself and I I, will, will, will I get into it like it's not even a thing to necessarily get into but like I, I got, att- uh, supposedly I got the worst email of my life this week, guys. <laughs> Tell me. So two days ago, I'm in work and I get an email from a record label, a major record label, and they say, "Hey, Dave, uh, do Joe, the website I write for, have anyone in London? Uh, there might be an event happening on Friday uh, to coincide with the release of an album and a movie, and the artist will be in attendance." And I'm <gasps> sitting there being like, "Whoa, whoa, 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 whoa!" And I'm like, "Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god!" And there are. There's a whole fucking Job UK counterpart that I guess they don't know of. And I'm like, I don't want anyone else to get this. I want mm. this. But the, the problems are many, including the fact that, like, 
you know, recording this on the Thursday, I'm due to work at seven in the morning and for Friday. <laughs> well, that, yeah, and also the overriding problem is that it's a very Kanye event where nothing is like he hasn't even been there's, named. There's nothing yeah. <laughs> that has been confirmed, and I've obviously been going back and forth over the last twenty four hours with the label being like, "What can you tell me?" And they're like, "Nothing. We don't know anything. We've just been asked to like source." people at the last minute preferably stringers who are based in the area yeah. so i don't know if it's a press conference i don't know if it's a screening of the film and he's just going to be there i would yeah I'd i imagine. don't know if it's an interview i don't know anything like and if, i would have to like set myself up get the flight over like they're not flying anyone over yeah. it's a whole like it's so last minute and insane that it's like okay this could be like incredible or it could be literally nothing uh, like going on his form of late like when he was doing all that wyoming stuff they did fly a lot of people out and i think it was just like for a experiential hang like he didn't seem to be which a, to be fair would be I remember worth, the pitch worth a piece you know, totally yeah yeah, yeah yeah just like kind of what you know you never know what's going to happen but i remember the pitchfork piece was very just like assessing what was going on and kind of looking at Kanye in the distance and being like, oh yeah, he seems happy with the album. Like there was, I don't know, he wasn't talking to Pitchfork. Just being in the room, if there was an event happening, we'd be like, that that is the piece. But ultimately... I I wonder what's going to happen. Like, okay, so we're getting the movie. I'll tell you what's going to happen. What's going to happen is I'm going to work tomorrow morning. No, no, this isn't how it's meant to end. I I know. No, you can't. I've been on the edge of my seat. I'm dying for you to go. You have to go. It's killing me. I'll work for you. (laughs) Really? I don't know what you do, but I'll do it. Uh, It's a Friday morning, so... So very little. Everyone does. All you got to do is write about the weather. Uh, who's on the Late Late Show? Great, I do it every day. Yeah, seven to four in uh, my office. Perfect, so. I'm yeah. there. Yeah, cool. Um, but yeah, we don't know who's what's paying com- for my flight. We do- <laughs> we don't know what's come out. So yeah, I'm imagining this album will be essentially assemb- like an, uh, well, know, there are, a recorded there are- version of a Sunday session. Is this what all we're going to get at this point? Because it seems like know. he's dumping the Andy stuff. I'm extremely down on it. What's your general current Kanye? appreciation or lack of I don't know I don't really tune in with Kanye stuff I don't know how I managed to not tune in with it but I just, just don't <laughs> yeah. I don't Literally really understand life. the fascination what? yeah I don't well, maybe I can't really explain it either yeah it's just kind of a Kardashian fascination but extended in my eyes hmm no I'd, I'd, it wouldn't be for me okay yeah, he has become that like tabloid offshoot. It's it's kind of sad, yeah. But I don't yeah. know. From my like perception of it, it just seems like he's gone through a lot of things, and maybe we shouldn't be exploiting him so much. That's how it feels to me. Yeah, that's that could be, well be true. I mean, we were talking to Brendan Canty last week, um, and he was talking about being at the VMAs, and just he got a really bad vibe from everyone waiting for Kanye to do his kind of controversial thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he just felt like it was taking advantage of someone that that's has had become struggles with, a massive you know, issue. and even like. But there's such an aura, and like even when I didn't like Kanye West like 12 years ago, or whatever it was, I remember like conceding that he had this huge aura. And even like with this thing, I'm like, you didn't like him, oh, or you just weren't I, a fan. No, I did not like him for a long time. Yeah, I thought he was a prick. I was like, I hate this guy. He's an asshole. Yada yada yada. And then <laughs> Jesus came out. <laughs> I was like, oh, this is the best thing. I've and ever then the heard. whole maga t- thing just really solidified your stance <laughs> yeah, that you love. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> finally, perfect. Yeah. This is a man I can get. An behind. artist who represents my interests. Now, so there you go. Yeah. So so there's every chance that by the time that this podcast is out there will be an event occurring in London I hope I'm allowed to say this there's also every chance well it's happened I, I don't know anything by now. I, I don't know anything apart from possible event in London his name wasn't even in the fucking there's emails. every chance that nothing will have happened can you imagine well? if it was some, imagine if it was someone else imagine I, like, I got my shift changed I paid 500 quid to get to London or whatever the fuck it is I get there and it's like Coldplay I was gonna say Coldplay yeah <laughs>
Yeah. Now, granted, it well still be. wouldn't be the worst thing of all time. Mm, be close. close. <laughs> <laughs> but I think I'd be, imagine sitting there with like my, my Kanye West foam finger, like I'm at a wrestling event, and then like Chris the same as the MAGA foam finger. <laughs> we'll move on, Chris. Let's, move on. We, let's yeah. move on to the grimmest news section that you've compiled in some time, shall we? Where are you going to start? Well, there's good news because Frank Ocean is back. Um, you. There's bad news because he's had to address criticism over his club night that he's put on. Um, yeah, so he returned um, with some songs. Um, a couple of singles went up on his store, well, which I yeah. immediately snapped up. Vi- the vinyl only ones? Yeah. Did you? Yeah. Because um, it's the shipping on those, not like twice. I'm going to be waiting. Uh, no, it was it was pretty like affordable, I think. But okay. I'm going to be waiting forever. I'm still waiting for the J. Paul stuff I bought in April. That's never going to arrive. Are you still waiting for Endless by Frank Ocean? No, I got that. Okay. That took about nine a months, year? I'd say. Ooh, maybe yeah. a year. I got Blonde fairly quickly. have never opened it. Oh. <laughs> I don't have a vinyl player. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he also dropped a proper single, which wasn't part of that, which is DHL, which, which we'll, we'll talk, talk about, about later in the show. Yes, um, yes. Yeah, but tying in with his return was a new episode of his blonded um, Apple Music Radio show. Ah, and also, sorry. You did tell me off mic, so, oh, just so that this, is, <laughs> this is on record. Are you aware of Craig's problem? No, tell me. Craig has a problem with subscription services. Oh, yeah. yeah. In that yeah. he doesn't know how to cancel them ever and just keeps paying for them long after he's used them. No Encore is kind of enabling me because it's generally for it's the show. Fault, Something will be, like with Amazon Prime, it was the um, Donald Glover movie. Oh, Qua- yeah. <laughs> Quava <laughs> Island. Quava Island. <laughs> yeah. Um, That's yeah, moment. Which is like a really... It was fine. It was watchable, like hour long movie, and then I just had Amazon Prime for the next four months. Before that, it was Tidal. Tidal, yeah, which took me a while to disentangle myself from. I just couldn't sign out of it for some reason. <laughs> uh, like I, I was trying, and just Jay Z was popping up on my screen, going, "No, man, just stay, just stay." Every time you get the email, once I'm like, "Beyonce, you've authorized payment to yada yada." Like, like, yeah, are you just like for fuck. Yeah, it was so tough to get out of. And um, now I'm back on the Apple Music buzz. <laughs> I wanted to get those blonded shows because I hadn't heard them. As it turns out, I love Frank Ocean. He comes across as a bit like conceited in his like links and stuff. He's very like I'm too cool for school doing like ad libs and he was kind of annoying, but the music is very good. Anyway, that's me and Apple Music for the next six months. Okay. But he did that new show and he's kind of launched this club night uh, in New York uh, which was on Saturday, I believe. According to a press release, um, pre-P plus paid homage to what uh, could have been of the 1980s New York uh, City club scene if the drug uh, this related to the pre-P uh, drug had been invented in that era. Um, so he's kind of faced criticism for this queer club night, essentially because what transpired was a kind of exclusive invite only thing where music was played that didn't really pay so much homage to that gay scene of the 1980s. And a lot of people felt it was in bad taste to kind of um, align himself with this drug and a kind of cause that is to do with obviously the huge amounts of kind of tragic deaths um, related to HIV and AIDS in the 80s. Um, And it just was a very serious topic and people felt it was a PR exercise more than anything for him. I think it was on Friday because I think I remember reading about this on Saturday while Ireland were getting murdered in the rugby. You're right. And it was so entertaining. I loved every second of it. Uh, Don't like rugby. So there you go. Uh, (laughs) Don't like rugby. Don't like the Irish rugby team. Don't like Ireland rugby fans. (laughs) I very much enjoyed that match. It was so much fun. But yeah, but I was reading, like casually reading all the, like I was like, why is people giving out about Frank Ocean? And I was reading it. 
like, yeah, I can, I can see the argument. I, I'm like, I'm not educated enough on the subject. I don't know too much about it. Frank Ocean, I presume, is more educated than I am. But people have, in fact, said that he got this one completely wrong. Uh, I believe Justice were the kind of surprise DJs that yeah. popped up. He himself was DJing at some points as well. And basically, it sounds like they got the vibe wrong. I mean... I haven't been to many queer club nights. I've been to Mother like once or twice and it sounded like it, it was not that. It sounded like it was very much like a sterile, almost kind of, it wasn't sponsored, but it sounded like it was sponsored and just kind of like... You're he, not going to take it unless you're part of his inner yeah, circle like or, you know, a room. name in the media. But yeah. I think anything he does is a bit of a stone. And this isn't me like saying, oh, it's fine. But like, I think if he did any kind of thing at all in any kind of pop-up guy's it's going to be good and as like some kind of like way too exclusive, way too like hard to get into, like the fucking magazines for the album that came yeah. out before. So mm. it should be. I, is I, this I, one? Is, it, is this done? Is he ever doing this again? I've no idea, but I should kind of point out that uh, pre-EP is the HIV prevention drug. Um, and in his explanation, he said he'd been talking to a friend who didn't realize what it was. They thought it was like some type of Viagra or something. So he was putting on this night anyway. And he thought actually to raise some awareness around it, I'll use this name. Which kind of stands up, but then also he had merch on a site that used the name as well, and there was no kind of... Now, maybe the proceeds are going towards a good cause, but there was no kind of um, rationale or explanation around that. So it seems like a kind of rare misstep from him. Are you cancelling Frank Ocean? Is that uh, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> it's my position whatsoever. Fair enough. Do, um, you, uh, do you have the same kind of Kanye grievance, or do you agree that Frank Ocean is in fact a spiritual deity as we do on this show? No, he's a genius. Yeah. He's an absolute genius. Um... <laughs> And we'll go into the new song later. But um, in terms of the Club 90, of course it was a PR stunt. but And it was ill-advised. But I don't think you can knock him for that. Because like he's got new songs coming out. Like He's trying to get you know in people's heads again. And he's achieved that. Um, in terms of selling the t-shirts for, for $60 and not really explaining where that yeah. money was going. That was a terrible idea. <coughs> um, and I think as well, he's kind of like ignoring the class barriers to the drug that exists it's like yeah you're raising awareness to it but like these drugs are incredibly expensive and it's like difficult to get them so like it's difficult to get into your club night your t-shirts are too expensive and I can't afford this drug Um, so yeah in terms of that like quite ill-advised but I think maybe he had a good intention Um, I don't know if you saw the response from Azealia Banks no I didn't she did like an Instagram story response to it uh oh yeah um no, I kind of watched this was like grayish. in the background tab of while I was also like doing work today but um, I'm fairly sure that like her response to it was like don't be promoting this drug if you can't stop having sex you need to go to therapies which oh, was like yeah. such a bizarre response and I thought okay yeah <laughs> Azalea Banks yeah surprise surprise <laughs> but then I read kind of like a Pitchfork article on it and they said they were kind of speculating as to what the club night would be and they said would Ocean's Party be an orgy and I was like it's what? not this isn't sex centred like it's a drug <laughs> yeah, that like yeah, prevents yeah. HIV it's nothing so to do the club night is trying to raise awareness to that it's not like these it's a bunch of sexual deviants going to a club you know so I thought that was a little bit strange yeah, yeah it's very much tapping into old prejudices yeah, yeah, for sure yeah. and that's also like you know I watched like the video for Nikes and I just assume everything Frank Ocean does is in fact debauched and obviously mm. like you know like oh like who knows what sexuality he really is it's like who gives a shit like I mean that's not really yeah but yeah so he's what said like he kind of conceded that he fucked up a bit and then you know yeah essentially I mean he said that his kind of heart was in the right place he tried something didn't quite work I mm. think we can forgive him for that yeah. Okay. Uh, would you, in, in, like in a different setting, would you pay $60 for a Frank Ocean t shirt? 
I wanted one of the blonded ones. <laughs> I might have been tempted, but they were sold out. <laughs> I always worry about like t-shirts and like. Kind You're of not wearing one right now. So. <laughs> that kind of merch from the US because they're always massive. The sizes are never sure, great, yeah, so yeah, it's, yeah. it's probably a fool's yeah. online purchase. shopping, guys. It's it's, it's an issue. It's minefield. Also, an issue is uh, Lizzo, who of course <laughs> this <just> in general, <laughs> who this year has uh, rattled lots of cages while also winning lots of fans. Uh, she is the subject, or rather, at the centre of a copyright lawsuit. Yeah, or at least she's conceded flames thereof. Yeah, yeah. Um, she's conceded this kind of case well it never really became a case she's credited the writer of the uh, DNA test line which was actually uh, a tweet originally so I just took a DNA test turns out I'm a credited writer for the number one song on Billboard that's uh, the latest tweet from British singer Mina Lioness um, after officially being credited as a writer on Lizzo's song Truth Hurts so this kind of row erupted after Lizzo wanted to trademark the phrase I just took a DNA test turns out I'm 100% that fill in the blank essentially um, Mina apparently tweeted a similar phrase in 2017 Lizzo initially claimed not to have seen it uh, it's the opening lyric from the song which went to number one um, she said on Twitter in 2017 while working on a demo I saw a meme that resonated with me I later used the line of truth hurts I later learned that a tweet inspired the meme the creator of the tweet is the person I'm sharing my success with. So so hang on, if I may jump in here. Yeah. So what you're saying, Craig, is that like if someone takes a tweet that you've come up with, uses it as a lyric in a song, you're technically a co-writer of the song or you can be... This is like this. This, this is, is setting the, a precedent. I think. Yeah. So, so for example, if someone wrote a song and they said in the song, referring to dogs as "quote unquote" <laughs> good boys, implies their inherent value resides solely in outward displays that chime with human morality and an overall subservience to people. As such, referring to dogs in this manner will health, henceforth result in your immediate cancellation. A tweet that you posted yesterday, and I can totally see that fitting into a number one smash from like Destroyer <laughs> or something. <laughs> so hang on. Just Get on, on it, Dan. On that tweet, before we go back to Lizzo, uh, I've had at least one person message me and ask, is Craig okay? <laughs> people, do people think I was really annoyed. I think people just don't get you joking. Like, uh, yeah, and I was like, yeah, I think he's fine. I was like, I think he's probably just having a long week. We all are. But also, one last thing on, good, on Craig's Twitter, if you want to follow him, uh, at Craig Lane, because, and I'm jealous I didn't think of this. Yeah. It's genius. What Your is entire genius? bio is because you have 898 <laughs> followers, it's 898 Craig fans can't be wrong. <laughs> I have to keep changing it. You update it every day. <laughs> I update it more than I tweet, <laughs> which wouldn't be hard. Uh, how many of those fans are those weird sex bots that you follow? I, I cleared out all those out after yeah, we had Craig our talk. Craig used to follow back everyone who followed him. Oh, Just yeah. automatically. I didn't like dive into whether they were Russian bots or sex mm. bots. Some of them were very clearly not real people. <laughs> <laughs> like, and yet in you I went. just feel bad if people like follow me and I don't follow back. I yeah, okay. So I'm a people pleaser and a bot pleaser. Sarah, <laughs> Sarah, you also use Twitter. You also tweet things. So if someone lifts one of your tweets, what are you going to do about it? Um, For the purposes of a number one song. Yeah, no, Sue. I want that money. You know what I mean? Like, Lizzo can afford to share that. It's fine. It's interesting that it's like something from Twitter. Because remember when um, Beyonce's Lemonade came out and Ezra Koenig from Vampire Weekend was credited on Hold Up because, you know, it has that line, Hold Up, They Don't Love You Like I Love You, which was kind of a play on Wait, They Don't Love You Like I Love You from Yeah, Yeah, Yes. Mm-hmm. But Ezra, people thought Ezra was credited because he tweeted as a joke years before, hold up, as in just like, it's funny that it's hold up, they don't love you like I love you. But he actually wrote the song, but people thought he was getting credited for a tweet. So this has actually come true three years later. All right. 
<laughs> I'm fine, guys. I'm fine. <laughs> Are you sure? I'm absolutely. I'm going to follow you on Twitter after this, Dude, anyway. Yeah, definitely. Eight nine nine. I'll have to change my bio. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just, I love it. It's so, it's so matter of fact. It's I so agree. glib. Yeah. It's, it's perfectly <laughs> it's glib. Yeah. It's glib. Yeah. yeah. It's glib. He's Thank glib. You. Everyone. <laughs> uh, so yeah, part of this also is that there's a couple of lads, Greg, who are trying to like get credit, and they have been shut down, and they're not getting any credits. There you go. It's a victory. Oh, they claim to be like in the room when the song was being written. She yeah. said, "Yeah, that didn't happen, lads." That gig is coming up. Did you manage to get tickets? I didn't. I wish I did. Yeah, she's playing the Olympia. Oh, it's going to be amazing. The 10th of November. Yeah. And that's that was the ultimate, like, the people, hardest gig to get tickets to. People so. yeah. were very annoyed that that venue was selected. Obviously, it was done much, you know, prior to her blowing up in the way she did. But yeah. You'd I assume think, she'd be hmm. back soon. Presumably. But, I mean, like, it's one of those kind of weird things where, like, the fandom is so intense right now that, like, I think that ultimately, like, it's... That gig itself would be one of those I was there moments because mm. she ain't playing the Olympia again. I guess. No way. Uh, sorry, I, I meant to ask you because of course you did just play it. Was that your first? Was that your first time playing? Yeah. Olympia? Oh, amazing. Really? As you'd expect. My like, favorite venue to go to. Yeah, yeah definitely. Same. It's such a good venue. It's a nice. Um, the view is even nicer from the stage. Imagine. Oh, it's incredible. Really, really cool. And my parents got a box to watch nice. the rest of the show from, so I joined them up there. That was fancy. That was very, very exciting. <laughs> Good night out for the woman of the year. There you go. Uh, a woman I saw this year, Craig, yes. is Maggie Rogers. I saw her in the Academy back in February. And everyone, like, people have been giving me grief over this. I'm like, oh, very loud crowd. And they're like, you were next to the bar. I'm like, yeah, because I couldn't get anywhere. I couldn't get anywhere further. I was gonna, like, and also you were drinking heavily. <laughs> I was going to elbow my way into the crowd. But it could have been worse because uh, Maggie Rogers has been subject uh, to kind of, I guess, uh, unwanted catcalls and yeah, sexual verbal harassment, leering, essentially. Yeah, which to be fair, not, not to be fair, but what I mean is like this is not the first time and like even that night in the academy there was lads kind of saying some stuff that I was like oh no, this is fucking gross what are you doing mm. so not, not so uncommon odd. obviously not acceptable I, it's, it's so odd because it's kind of a what are you hoping to achieve here thing it just doesn't it doesn't make any sense um, but sure like, it wasn't the it wasn't a million miles away that guy at the chromatics gig yeah I've had a few I feel that hopefully that was closer to a kind of well done you but it just came across as gross yeah it was really gross Do you know what I mean yeah um, some woman did shout out you're unreal which was great <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jeremy Kennedy gets it all the time you know, like, they all, we, we all it happens but it's it's just I don't know I, I, to me like, and this is not me like trying to justify it or anything but like it, instances like this whether it's this whether it's someone heckling someone at a comedy gig and trying to like you know be as funny as the comedian or something usually alcohol is involved and there's all I, I think also there's just this there's this huge tension of not being able to sit still and say nothing for five minutes let alone an hour and a half and ultimately you know, it should be enough that there's a gig happening in front of you or if you're in the cinema, a film on the screen. But I think people, it's clearly not a uniquely Irish thing, but I think it, to me it feels like quite an Irish thing in a lot of ways. I think people just freak out and just have to fill the fucking silence. I know when I'm talking to someone, I, I feel that way. Mm. If we're ever like in the pub or something and there's like a gap, I'm like, Ugh. like But you I, don't start I, telling them to get undressed. Well, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'd like to think I don't do that, Greg. Yeah, so basically what happened here is Maggie Rogers is playing a gig and got this treatment and effectively has stood up for herself and wrote yeah, a big kind of spiel I think she handled it really well yeah she's yeah. great she's fucking like very she's eloquent amazing. very cool and will it make a difference though I hope so I mean it seems to have gotten a lot of attention the videos on YouTube of it actually happening and she doesn't sort of hide her anger about it which I love because I think these things happen all the time and sometimes people are like responding in a sort of oh you know stop talking and then just move on but she was like D- don't talk to me like that yeah, like I'm here and she's kind of she acknowledges like the vulnerability of I mean just being a woman first and foremost but then like being a woman on stage is that magnified so it's like okay I'm standing here I'm really vulnerable and 
you're objectifying me mm. and what what do I do with that? Um, yeah, her response was great. She, she did say, you know, I was stunned, furious, fuming, confused. And also on a really basic level, it really hurt my feelings, which is just, yeah, it's just like not a fucking cool thing to do. Yeah, and also, I mean, like we, we kind of joked about this off mic, uh, but like, so I'll just be full, full honest here. Like we didn't, we aren't like, oh, Sarah's coming in this week. Let's have stories that will reflect what you go through in the industry. <laughs> but the next story is about sex in the, in the industry. So like a lot of people are apparently quitting music as a result of this. Yeah, uh, this was um, the UK's uh, Musicians Union it just did a, a kind of survey and the new figures suggest that almost half of its members have experienced harassment at work. Um, and I, they've called on the, the British government to extend protections related to discrimination and harassment. Um, I'm sure the British government will get around to that any <laughs> yeah, minute sure. now. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing else to be doing. Uh, but I guess, I mean, and, and this could be like a really stupid question, I apologise if it is, but just for, like your experiences in the music industry are obviously going to be like markedly different to mine if I was if I was a musician but yeah. like is there a climate out there like, like like I mean like how valid are you see people on Twitter kind of start threads and say things like it's not it, it is getting better it isn't getting better mm-hmm. etc I mean obviously Pillow Queens we see great headlines we see like things are going incredibly well yeah. and this is not me saying hey listen give us a fucking you know like horrible backstory here but I guess just as someone who goes through the industry this question yeah. might be even sexist and I apologise if it is but I'm just curious as to your own kind of point of view uh, like we definitely exist in a bubble like we play gigs that we choose to play um, and we're very lucky that we get to do that um, but it exists in every industry and it's probably getting better for certain people within that industry but like it happens all over the place. It's mostly just microaggressions and things that you wouldn't even be able to recount if somebody asked you to. Yeah, but like, yeah. it builds up, and there are only tiny incidents that you wouldn't even bother tweeting about. But you know, just gets at you, it really does. Um, but yeah, I mean, in the in the piece about it, there was a lot of talk about how these kind of new, basically like policies were going to be brought into the workplace. But when you're a musician, that like, what what's that the mean? workplace? Yeah. Like, is it the stage, the studio? Is it like your emails? You know what I mean? Like, you can't police that. It's not possible. So I just don't really understand how it's going to be dealt with unless it's dealt with on like a much wider scale. Yeah. There was a song, uh, kind of like a slightly different aspect of that, but definitely one that would tie into that kind of weird, kind of intangible workplace thing. There was a song on like the recent Pitchfork list of like the best songs of the of the decade so far, or whatever. Uh, it was called "The Opener," and it was one I hadn't heard before. And it was basically about that. It was about like uh, female artists being put in the opener of a of a gig for like mm-hmm. a quota purpose or for you know like some kind of tokenistic thing of like well there is a woman on the bill but she's on at like seven and like no one's there and that seems to be a kind of a, a method I suppose mm-hmm. of like whether it's promoters or bookers effectively being kind of seen to be like you know like no 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 where we are being inclusive or whatever and it, it was an aspect of like perhaps sexism in the music industry that I'd never really kind of previously considered yeah and I was like oh yeah it was like that is extremely widespread and common because I, I I I never really think about it apart from the main event. You know, if you have like a like a three or four acts on a bill, which you know it is possible to, to almost kind of fuck someone over. Like mm-hmm. you are there, you're getting paid presumably, but also you're playing to the fucking sound guy. Yeah, right? yeah. So or sound girl. Sorry. Um, <laughs> hi, I'm good at this. <laughs> Ruined everything, Dave. <laughs> I have. Yeah, that's what I do. Let's talk about Coldplay. Will, will we? <laughs> Should we? Are we doing good? Yeah, let's do Coldplay. Um, Coldplay, dealing with Syria via the medium of music. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Um, yeah, so Coldplay are back. 
Um, this story was initially that they were kind of doing old-fashioned kind of marketing stuff. They had mysterious posters in Brazil. Uh, they took out a notice in some Welsh newspaper. They were sending letters to fans. The same notice just... also ran in the Irish Times. I did it? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, did you see the, the the actual letters that they sent to fans? It was no. very... Was it like... Oh, it was very hard. kind of... <laughs> It was very Chris Martin being Chris Martin and being like innocent and being like, we know you've been expecting some music, so we've put together some music and just, it reminded me of, <laughs> do you remember that when they sampled Kraftwerk for talk? To get permission for that, Chris Martin wrote to the band, like a letter, like a pen pal, like a German pen pal, and he wrote it in German. <laughs> but like, he's like, my German was terrible, so I was like writing like an eight-year-old child, and I was just like, this is the most contrived nonsense ever. Anyway, they're back. <laughs> With some contrived nonsense, you say? Yeah, the contrived nonsense um, will fall under the banner of everyday life. Uh, it's out November 22nd, I believe. It's going to have two parts. Yay. Sunrise and Sunset, which instantly makes me hate it. Sarah is shaking her head. My uh, notes for this, it just says Coldplay, long grown. They promised they were breaking up. Why more songs? A double album? Jesus. That's it. <laughs> Fuck yeah. They did say they were breaking they up. They did. Yeah. I, I celebrated and then they came back and they haven't really? stopped. Yeah. I don't even is this the most recent one where like this is our last album or was there another one that I think I've there was another I'm not I'm, I'm not too sure hmm, I, okay. I remember just being elated the last and album then was supposed disappointed. to be the last album like, it was but genuine. because of Chris Martin saying that Ugh, like this is know. more contrived stuff where he's like trying to make the band more interesting than they are he'll just be like he's always saying this is like the last record we'll ever make it's too tough and you just know in the studio it's cups of teas and they're all polite and it's grand <laughs> to be fair as someone who like you know would be like more pro apologist, than not, an apologist not an apologist great no I don't I can't see how making a Coldplay record is tough like that that, that sounds <laughs> can leg- we backtrack there so yes. you're a Coldplay fan not a fan <laughs> fan is too strong of a term I'm gonna have to stop listening to this podcast I'm really sorry <laughs> I just think that they're okay and they have the occasional good song and like you can kind of make a good playlist out of that you know I may have done that I, I, I do have that playlist if you want that playlist at me on Twitter I, I don't follow some, Craig on Twitter I had some time for the early stuff of course oh, really? I like talk uh, um, Ghost uh, Stories had some tracks You on get it. really mad at me when I say that their Johnny Cash song is great Oh yeah, I can't bear it They wrote a song for Johnny Cash Because of course they did um, And Johnny Cash had the decency to pass away Before he had to sing it <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ So they did it themselves And of course didn't, Kingdom Come didn't, uh, Wasn't there a Bowie thing where he was like nah, Not your best or something <laughs> Yeah, like, uh, they wrote a song for Bowie and sent it to Bowie and Chris Martin was on the phone with Bowie being like, so, you going to do it, David? <laughs> he said, no, I don't think so. It's not one of your best, is it? <laughs> that was it. Christ. Uh, so he does have a phone. He doesn't need to send people letters. I guess yeah. so. Okay. Yeah, He's yeah. old school. Um, the last album, A Head Full of Steam, was full of like, Headful EDM. Of dreams. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not Head Full of Steam. A Head Full of Steam is a go-between song, sorry. Okay. Far, far it was better. full of EDM and stuff. As a matter of fact, I dug out um, an amazing anecdote from an interview uh, around the time of that record when it came out. Uh, this a song on the album called Him for the Weekend. Are you aware of this? No. So the song called Him for the Weekend one. with Beyonce and it's very like kind of trend chasey, you know, big name feature, let's do this. So in the interview that he did, right, he's asked Him for the Weekend came out of that process as a very different kind of Coldplay song. How did it start? Read Chris, the whole thing, please. <laughs> Chris Martin's answer to this question, and this is not made up. This is what I'm talking about. Is as follows. The original kernel was that I was listening to Flo Rida or something, and I thought, it's such a shame that Coldplay could never have one of those late night club songs like Turn Down for What? <laughs> what? 
What would we call it if we had one? I thought I'd That's like to. Privilege. I. <laughs> that is violence. <laughs> I thought I'd like to have a song called "Drinks on Me," where you sit on the side of a club and buy everyone drinks because you're so fucking cool. I was chuckling about that when this melody came: "Drinks on me, drinks on me." Then the rest of the song came out. I presented it to the rest of the band, and they said, "We love this song, but there's no way you can sing drinks on me." So that changed into Drink From Me. Which is way better. And the idea of having an angelic person in your life, then that turned into asking Beyonce to sing on it. And she did. <laughs> so there you go. Because they're all mates, aren't they? They're, they're pals. Beyonce will sing on anything, though. Do you remember she was on that Eminem album that was not very good? And no. she was like the best thing on it, but it still sounded like she just did it in 10 minutes. The like, one as I a gave favor, not out of 10 to? Yes, it was. Yeah. So yeah, I will listen to this Coldplay album. You won't. No. You will. Probably for this podcast, I'll probably have to sign up to Deezer or something. We're <laughs> <laughs> well, sorry. The notion that Coldplay would have a song like "Turn Down for What"? Oh, yeah. What? Which is way better than any Coldplay song. So I must say. Uh, debatable. Uh, debatable. Okay, are we done here with the news? Or is that yeah? Nice? We don't really want to talk about Elton John and Madonna being catty, do we? Or Bernie Sanders playing some song at a rally? I got rid of that one because. Yeah. All right, it's gone. <laughs> Too much politics Too in much my podcast, podcast show. Okay, let's uh, bail into songs of the week. Yes. Do you want to start us off, Craig? Yes, Frank Ocean is back, as we just discussed. This song is DHL. So that was DHL, named after the German delivery company, I believe. Did you um, not look it up, no? No. Um, but it's kind of obviously a bespoke European delivery company. He's got I'll look it up right American. now, okay? Please do. Yeah. Um, I think actually he had posted on Instagram previously a photo of like a DHL branded plane and he was like, if I ever get an airplane, this is the one I'm getting. So he's, he's a lot of brand affinity there. Um, this is kind of in the realm of a Nikes, I guess, right? It's like we're in that, you know, moody synth basement again. Mm. Um, American-founded American German company. Ger- okay, yeah, that's yeah. fair enough. Um, it's very carnal. It's very like he's talking about sex again. Um, I don't know like there's some rapping there uh, it's quite murky and I don't think there's much like razor sharp stuff going on underneath it that was quite hypnotic but it didn't really leave a huge lasting impression on me like I like it but as a song I oh I loved it Did I you? thought okay. it was great um, it kind of left me wanting better headphones because I feel like the production was better than my headphones could even yeah, take it sounds great um, yeah I thought the production on it was mega um, yeah I loved it I thought it was really good um, I had pretty high expectations and they were met. I enjoyed it and I'm looking forward to hearing more. Okay, I enjoyed Dave. it, yeah. I would, I'm would. i kind of somewhere in between, guys. I'm the King Solomon on this one, I yeah. suppose. Like it, I, did, it didn't feel like in that tier of uh, Chanel or some of his other kind of loose mm. Oh, uh, well, yeah, that is a standalone. But yeah. I, don't, uh, I, I don't think his standalones have ever reached that kind of god level for me. Uh, maybe I just prefer it as part of an overall picture or something. Uh, I'm surprised about this headphone business, though. Surely, really? Surely you've got great headphones. I no? really don't. No. Really? Yeah. No, it's one of those things that I should and haven't. Yes. This is insane. Yeah. It's life-changing, it really is. Sarah, you're a woman of the year. <laughs> get it together. I'm kind of hoping somebody will get them for me for Christmas. All right. 
Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the request is out there. Uh, yeah, like it, it does seem like there's an album following this quite quickly. I know famous last words. <laughs> I don't think so. Well, like the, the lyrics on it were like, okay, I'm sorry to quote, but like it's <laughs> new. Do. It ain't new, boy. Old files just turned to nothing new. Files sitting on my drive. Like he's basically just like I've got all these old things and you're not getting them. Like yeah, I feel I like know. we're being some trolled. Of the, some of the vid- visuals around it suggested that there was like it was part of a, a greater whole. Though I don't know. Are you gonna like when that vinyl comes? Are you gonna like make some kind of red twine conspiracy wall out of like <laughs> all the individual? I friends? already have it. Of course, yeah. <laughs> of course. Yeah, it, I liked it. I, I, I think it was nice in the media. You know, it's kind of with it straight away. Good production, etc. I would definitely agree that yeah, it is one for good headphones. Uh, hopefully, you get them for Christmas. Thank you. Uh, okay. <laughs> I guess lyrically, it's kind of oblique, right? It's just it's, it's Frank Ocean. Yeah, right? it's, yeah. Well, but he does kind of good narrative stuff. The likes of Ivy and Pyramids, obviously. I think that's more. I like when he kind of applies himself. But yeah, I'll take what I, I, I can I, get. I, I, I hope Frank know. Ocean takes it on board there, Craig. <laughs> like a mid-tier Frank Ocean song is still better than most things. So. Yeah. But what about a Destroyer song? Is that That's also better than most things. I'm a big Destroyer fan. And they're back with Crimson Tide. He's not a child, he's 25. He's never felt so alive, Crimson Tide. Dead rich run away Who gives a shit Must be nice Must be the rain When lightning strikes twice The funeral goes completely insane The funeral's insane The funeral's insane uh, yeah, Not I don't think that's based on the Gene Hackman. You fucking <laughs> that's exactly what I was meant to say. It's a Denzel, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, not based on the mid '90s tense submarine-based thriller. Although Gene it could Hackman be, it Denzel Washington, you. Uh, with a uh, script punch-up by none other than Quentin Tarantino. Don't you know? By the way, I've once again missed my chance to see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood again. Oh, it's well, on again this weekend. Yeah, it is. It's on Have Saturday. It? Yeah, I've seen it. Did you like it? Uh, yeah, oh, no. I wouldn't go back to it, but like it was an enjoyable watch. Oh wow. Um, did you? I'm going to see it this weekend. You, have you seen it yet? I think I'm going. No, I haven't seen it. <gasps> I still haven't seen oh, it. Wow. You haven't seen it at all. No. Okay, well, it's all on Saturday. Okay. Do you want to go? Might be a plan. Yeah, that might be a plan. Yeah. I'll see. How I'm fixed, but yeah, I need to see it. Fucking it's like the last real. showing, okay. isn't it? Yeah. I think so. I keep thinking it's the last showing. And then Sarah, do you <laughs> want to? Co- do you want to come? <laughs> She's so dumb. Uh, I'm away, unfortunately. <laughs> Are you waiting Saturday? Yeah, I'm heading to Wexford. Okay. Well, if anyone wants to come Convenient. and see, <laughs> if anyone wants to come and see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood in the Lighthouse Cinema at half five on Saturday. We're probably going to go, yeah? Yeah, I think Fucking we're going. Unreal. Nice. Okay, like, can we get like a pint after and stuff? Aww. We can have a, make, make a full day of this it, yeah? This is cute. Can we? <laughs> As for Destroyer. <laughs> yeah, um, so it's what, a year, two years since we had two some years. Destroyer stuff, Ken, yeah. um, which was my album of the year. Um, I'm being a big Dan uh, Bejar fan. Um, this is a return to kind of more of the opulent, um, shifting phases sounds you might remember from the likes of put and I thought it was great like he's just he's such a masterful lyricist I think he's pretty magical everything he does you know it's vastly underrated I think everything he does is pretty great and yeah I'm excited I had never heard of Destroyer full disclosure oh. before this podcast and I'm a new fan Yeah, it's amazing okay <laughs> extensive notes here because I had some rambling thoughts when I was listening to it so it's the best opening lyrics of all time yes I was like the laziest river, a vulture predisposed to eating off floors. No wait, I take it back. I was more like an ocean stuck inside hospital corridors. Fantastic opening lines. Amazing. Lyrics generally really good all over the place and kept kind of, I just kept stopping 
to start writing lyrics myself. Like I thought it was incredibly oh inspiring, which it was like I Pillow Queen's music is nothing like Destroyer, but I was like lyrically, this is right up my street. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Loved it. Um, I think it sounds a little bit more like a. I, I wrote here like a more self-aware Sufjan Stevens because you can imagine the song in the background of Call Me By Your Name but like a parody of Call Me By Your Name. Okay. <laughs> and then that led me on to saying that it kind of reminds me of like a Disney villain singing in like yeah, his voice a Disney very... song. It's very like, I thought it was like the Scar and Hyena scene from The Lion King and where they're like singing there. And that was even before he talks about a vicious stampede which I think he's clearly inspired by The Lion King. Um <laughs> What else did I say? Uh, I think the piano part in the interval sounds like Tegan and Sarah back in your head, which is only a good thing for me. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's great. Amazing. Um, love the line, he's not a child, he's 25. <laughs> Lana Del Rey's got competition for her condemnation. This is like a genius annotation happening. Listen, I love this song. Oh, good. Um, what else? Uh, yeah, just... Overall, like really cinematic. I thought the music video was amazing, and I'm going to be listening to loads yeah. more of this. Start with Ken, I would say, because I'm not a Destroyer guy, but mm. I loved that album yeah. quite a bit. Caput is probably the best known from what 2011. He's um, done Ken a bunch of stuff. Like I remember the first time I ever heard his voice was on a track by, and I, I, I probably it was like a one and done band. Was it like called Swan Lake? Yeah, and it's a song called Spider, and it's probably the worst song I've ever heard in my entire life. And I remember being like, "This is so bad. I will never like anything this guy does ever." <laughs> And then, like, he does some really good stuff. Every song he puts out is, like, the best novel you've read that year. Do like, we think just... uh, he's more of a 1994 original animation Lion King or a 2019? <laughs> yeah, no, 100%. <laughs> I haven't even seen the new one. No, I'm purely referencing that one. Do we need the last two minutes of the song? Yeah, yeah, need all of it. Do like, you? I feel Because it's very, like, stream of conscious, but it feels actually quite sculpted. Like, everything he's doing is well-placed and it's, you know, it's... It's kind of a nice water feature rather than a stream. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. But the Vilnius thing is, is definitely on point. Like, I always mm-hmm. feel like his songs live in the same world of like a Leonard Cohen First We Take Manhattan where mm-hmm. he's doing that wry you're not sure if you should be rooting for him but yeah. you kind of are. Like yeah he's for great. Sure. Um, and there's an album following early next year I think January which is great. Alright I liked it. And lastly this week it's the return long awaited I would say of Selena Gomez back with two tracks but we only had time for one of them. This is Lose You To Love Me. So, Selena Gomez released Revival back in 2015. That was her last album. It was preceded by a track called Good For You. There's two versions of that song. One is on YouTube and one is on Spotify. The one on Spotify has a terrible guest vocal from ASAP Rocky. The YouTube version was my song of the year that year. I thought it was fucking unbelievable. The album was good. Didn't quite hit the heights of that song, though. But, you know, kind of won me over, I guess. And she's got some really good stuff even before then. Kind of went away, uh, has been in the wars in various different ways and has kind of done some stuff here and there. Like she did like a cover uh, for that 13 Reasons Why show. Mm. There's been talk of a gospel album of her own. I don't think this is necessarily going to be it. But it's very clearly informed by her breakup with Justin Bieber. Yeah. And it's very big. It's also quite cinematic. It's very, I can see some of the religious undertones in Mm -hmm. it as well. And a couple of people I know who have heard it have had a very big emotional reaction to it. So on that level, I think it works. Yeah, I liked it. Um, 
I mean, when I first heard it, I thought it was a huge departure from her other stuff. But then I realized I thought she was Demi Lovato. So they're, oh, wow. di- they're different people. <laughs> um, so when then I realized she is her own person, I enjoyed it more. I thought it kind of sounded like Ellie Goulding meets 21 Pilots or something. Whoa. Okay, yeah. Maybe it was just the forest burning imagery from the first verse. But Great, I was two like, favorite hmm. acts right there. So. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of like the verses. I think lyrically, like she's kind of you know raking over the ashes of a relationship, and it's quite like stoic and it's kind of detached. And I, I think that's quite. It's like understated. It's not too overwrought. But the chorus doesn't really do it for me because then it becomes like this boilerplate anthem and I felt a bit it's a bit lighter in the air isn't it like even like the title felt a bit trite like lose you to love me just felt like something that you see on Instagram posts do you know what I mean like it's, <laughs> you hang in there which I, I thought kind of <laughs> undermined the rest of the song which was way better kind of you know balanced and stuff um, she's a really interesting artist it's good to have her back um, obviously all the talk around this is just like you know whether it relates to Justin and you know we have that so much with pop now where it's just like can you pick out lines to become memes can you further some conversation about like a story arc of a couple um and I'm kind of more interested in just artistically what she does and I, I think this is probably safer territory than she's explored recently it is also fascinating as with any major pop artist that you will have the inevitable stan reaction so it's just like it's just amazing how like you then you, you eventually begin to think of the fans of this level as like kind of football fans like tribalistic ultras and kind of being like no matter what they get as long as it has the reference points for example a Justin Bieber breakup they're on board they see like the teaser of like a shot from the video and it's like a million comments and like they're gonna love it no matter what mm-hmm. and yeah I liked it I think it's good I think the other track that came out I've only heard it like twice very very busy kind of little pop song uh, I want the best for Selena Gomez Craig and uh, we all do Dave we'll see what happens I suppose <laughs> in the future but for now it's time to get into our album of the week and it's two weeks in a row Craig in which we've done the part two kind of yeah. Sequel of an album. Kind well, of. yeah. Well, the big thief one wasn't a part two, but it was like, no. here's our second album in six months. Yes. So here's Folds's. Is it Folds's? Folds. Here's Folds' second album <laughs> in six months. And it, yeah, this is what it sounds like. Okay, we'll talk about it afterwards. <laughs> That was The Runner by Folds. Craig, who are they? Um, Folds are four-piece from Oxford um, who arrived in about uh, 2005. It was right around the time that kind of like effervescent second wave of Britpop uh, led by the likes of Franz Ferdinand and Libertines was kind of curdling a bit and becoming very landfill. Um, they stood out um, because they had kind of a quite a mathy approach to music um, and they were, you know, talking about making techno with guitars. They were kind of well-read, studious and also kind of strong-minded young men. Um, and they were kind of beloved on indie boards across the UK, <laughs> which I might have used to frequent. 
but 14 years on they've actually managed to kind of maintain and actually grow as a band so they've they've balanced that thing of you know becoming actually an arena rock proposition while still getting good reviews which is quite difficult to pull off and they still seem like a vital force earlier this year they made maybe their biggest kind of artistic statement to date releasing the first part of this two-part double album uh, everything not saved will be lost um, I think it got kind of we, we talked about it on the show I was a big fan other people were not so much maybe but I think across the board they were getting you know career high notices like it was kind of quite well received were they? yeah yeah okay. there's a lot of strong reviews for it this is part two um, they've promised this will be the kind of louder half a bit more kind of like keep calm and carry on after the first <laughs> first was all this kind of like existential searching about climate change and Brexit and they were getting a bit more kind of experimental and out there this is a return to what they generally do I guess and it more, feels a bit more it feels like everything you've come to expect from Folds right? It could have been called that I suppose yeah. yeah it's a bit more immediate but I have one question for you Craig and it concerns your indie UK message board past <laughs> yeah. what was it like back in those trenches? Oh my god it was a wondrous time uh, the debate was flying it was great uh, it was drowned in sound everyone um, <laughs> Craig wouldn't tell me his drowned in sound username for yeah. you. he actually never did someone else figured it out yeah. our me, friend Harry Hand he won't tell you <laughs> no no he actually won't it's still active though isn't it I'm sure it you is. You just post photographs of your cats now. Basically, yeah, they, possibly. Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> that's, that's what good content to, to most indie musos. Yeah, they just turn, <laughs> turn into cat people at some point. Yeah, the Foles band I've discussed before, and I've kind of said I've never quite fully got it. The thing that always pisses Foles fans off that I love to say is that Cassius is their best song. It's incorrect. There you go. Spanish Sarah, obviously, still. Where do you stand on Foles, Sarah? I think Inhaler's their best song, and Inhaler Part Two was on this album, so I was kind of happy about that. Um, so dreaming of. Um, yeah, yeah. Oh no, actually, it was wash off. Starts with like that the riff that's basically just the exact same riff that Inhaler starts with, and I liked it. And then I realised <laughs> why I liked it was because I'd heard it before. So it was there was a weird familiarity to it, which I kind of enjoyed, and I found it was pretty nostalgic. It brought me back to like the time you're talking about, like post Franz Ferdinand, like. I'm not telling anybody, but I'm still really into that like indie new rave music. But I'm kind of also verging on getting into math rock. So this is like perfect yeah, for me. Yeah. Oh, were you a Claxons fan? Oh yeah, of course. Of wow. course, I'd glow sticks. <laughs> new I was a rave. new raver and you raver. That's how I styled myself. What about, uh, well, like, did it stop there? Or were you more of an uh, Enter Shikari? Enter Shikari, Hadouken. Hadouken. Oh my god, Hadouken, come on. I was more Absolutely. like the horrors, goth rock side of things. Of course, you were. Like all the their <sighs> DIY guides to making your own skinny jeans. Yeah, and I, was, they were on I think, sale I, think I was listening to Stone Sour around this time. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, yeah. same. It's, it's, it's the mountain of, of variety over here. Yeah, so so, okay, so you've been on board. You, you've been on board. I'm on board. Okay. I kind of wish so. So the song that stood out to me was Into the Surf, which is kind of towards the later half of the album. Um, And I kind of wish the whole album was like that because I was sort of, mm, I was searching for like a B-sides album. Like this was part two of the previous, of part A. Um, And I was kind of hoping that it would take that more melancholic route. And it didn't really. I felt every song was kind of like banger, banger, banger. And even listening to they did like a track by track and I listened to them talk about that and they kind of admitted that it is just made up of like bits of songs they've had for years and I feel like you could tell that mm. yeah so does it do they get away with it though because there's what six months apart if this came out as like a double album mm. in one listen would it be very obvious that it's an odds and ends type thing because from my point of view having not gone back to the previous Fellows record that I thought was only okay I liked this I mean in terms of like I was pleasantly surprised by how immediate it was because mm. it they are throwing the kitchen sink at you and it's very like melody driven 
quick kind of fast paced songs that are just really about kind of lifting you on a surface level yeah if you really stop and think about it though you're kind of like well there's not much here I think that kind of disappointed me that they retreated from maybe the more searching inward looking stuff from the first record Um, but I think I buy their narrative of them saying like the quote was our creative desire and ambition has not been able to be conveyed on a 40 minute 10 track album which is very folds it's just kind of like do you know what I mean it's like grandiose but also a bit like down to earth and like no nonsense and I, I kind of buy I buy it like it feels the two parts feel quite like economical um, there is brevity there like I think the pacing works well over the two parts um, and I buy that they felt that run in the first half that is the kind of you know the riff monsters that's like a facet of what foes do that like I guess fans more hardcore fans expect they need to bolster the set list at some point but it's not really what I was looking for from them um, like I, f- I find this record way more interesting once they go past Dreaming Of and those last four tracks like if that was released as like a whatever 20 minute addendum to part one it'd be some of the best music of their career I think I think the 10 minute Neptune zips by uh, you know it's really good because Yanis's lyrics are absolutely ridiculous and they don't sound ridiculous because the music is so good Into the Surf which I really liked uh, a couple of months ago and I think again tepid response from the rest of the room but I think it's even better placed here <laughs> I do I, I, I did think of you during Into the Surf Greg yeah I did think that that, that was Greg's track yeah of course it does work better here but overall I don't know I just the more I listen to this like it was one of those weeks where it was like okay cool it's what fucking 40 minutes long or so like it's mm. you know it's good bus on the way into work job and you know you can actively work while listening to it so that's kind of good but I don't know if, if that you know a good album makes or whatever uh, how did you get on with it and just in terms of like getting to it and back from it it took me a good few goes at it and like it took me a good few active listens to really sort of get anything from it I kept sort of not realising where one song ended and one began mm. and then when I did eventually listen to it properly and like watch the track listing I thought it was a little bit self-indulgent to have two instrumental tracks in like a follow-up album. I was like, okay, you didn't really need to put out a second album. Then you could have just put out like maybe the strongest five songs, as you said, Craig, and like called it an EP or called it whatever. But I think to to put out an album and yeah, I don't know if it was there was enough there for me. Yeah, I, I mean, think the problem is it, it you- feels complete as only, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's some nice stuff to take off it, but I think you know, part one and part two together musically, I think it's pretty strong. But if they were going for this, you know, big statement as a band about like the state of the world and climate change and where we're at, and like they're at the Mercury Prize with like you know a sign saying there's you know there's no music on a dead planet, so they're really kind of rallying behind what's going on and trying to capture the zeitgeist. But I feel. As a double album, it doesn't really have anything to say. There's no, like, insights. I think that comes back to Yanis Wilpakis, who's a good songwriter, but I don't know if he's the most incisive or memorable a lyricist. Like, he, he's talked about how, when he thinks about these kind of issues, he's just left confused, which is like, fair play, I think we all are. But he doesn't really further the conversation with anything he's saying. Yeah, Do you know what like, I mean? There's even like the melody bits I like, I realize that he's saying stuff like, you know, loneliness of the long distance runner. I'm like, that's a great sentence, but it's, isn't it like 100 years old or something? Like, yeah. it's not yours. So, And I also think with some of the, the kind of heavier riff stuff, it gets very Black Keys. And like with something like Black Bull, like Yanis has talked about how um, sometimes when I'm on stage, like, you know, I, I really dip into um, my masculine side and I become like almost obnoxiously masculine. I play this character and it's, it's nice to just channel that sometimes. Like he's being kind of ironic and detached, but he's not really like they're kind of having their cake and eating it too because they're still doing those kind of quite knuckle dragging songs, which I think is kind of beneath them. No, is it a good guitar record? 
Like is it yeah. on that I level? think it's lost from a production level. I think it would be mm. with different production. I thought the production was both the best and worst part of this record because I mm. think for, say, something like an Alt-J record or something, that production would, I think, lend itself. And I think there was elements of Alt-J to it. Um, but because there's really, like, heavy drums, you know, trashy drums, this kind of washy guitar stuff, and then these, like, in-your-face riffs, it's kind of getting lost because there's all these, like, layers and synths and stuff happening at the same time. So it's kind of hard to to differentiate what's going on. Yeah. I think they self-produced as well. So. Really? Yeah. Uh, the Pitchfork uh, kind of burial of the record on Twitter and everything, the, the, the soundbite was overcompressed mush, I believe they said. Oh, really? Everything God. sounds like overcompressed mush. And I was like, oh, yeah, it does. Harsh. Like, I'm, I'm attracted to glossy production. I'm attracted to kind of, you know, short kind of indie bursts. That's why I think Cassius is their best song. But yeah. <laughs> even though I know no one agrees. Uh, but yeah, I just, I just, I never connect with Foles on any kind of emotional or substan- substantial level. I just don't. I, d- I never quite understood it did you interview him back in the day I did yeah and he's kind of like exactly what you expect like he takes himself very seriously he's very interesting and he's a nice bloke but he's just he's intense in a way that like he's trying to convey charisma almost and it's not quite sticking do you know what I mean like he's trying to be this kind of rock star person but he's maybe not. He's just a slightly more ordinary bloke. Maybe it's because it's I'm, interesting. Not, I'm not really in the inner circle with foes, but like, I don't know where they are. Like, it, I, like, I don't what, know yeah, where I, they I, go next, what this is, what it's done for Like, them, I remember ta- when I was talking to him, um, he kind of brought up like just touring and stuff and like the debauchery on the road and yeah, man, it's been wild. It's like 70 sometimes. And I was just like, Folds, like you're, you're that Oxford Matt Rock band, like what? And is that like, it just seemed like the cheesiest stuff he was coming out with, like this life that they were living. I was just like, I, I, I don't know. I found it very hard to kind of put my finger on what they were hoping to achieve as a rock band. Like They're kind of like the last men standing when it comes to like the Maccabees and like Wild Beasts to a degree. But Wild Beasts are obviously an infinitely yeah, better yeah. band and more interesting, complex. But uh, yeah, they're just there. Like, yeah. you know? Maybe like Arctic Monkeys, obviously far superior outfit. I would like. But from that time, do you know what I mean? Like they're still. It's just They're still a massive proposition, Foles. Are they? Is, yeah, I think they what are. What kind of venues do they play? I mean, they're doing all arenas. Oh. like Are they a three-arena band? They're a three-arena band, yeah. I know that Fanula Jones is listening to this right now and tearing her fucking hair out, but, like, <laughs> I mean, super fan uh, that, that, that that she is. I, I just, I don't know. I just, I, I don't know what their, what their cultural footprint is, if that's not, not an insane thing to say. Especially when you put out a fucking double album in, you know, 2019, as Big Thief have done as well. But there's more of a, you know, ascendancy with that band, whereas yeah. both just kind of, like, hanging around. Well, yeah. And also, you know, the Big Teeth records are very distinct and yeah. they're their own distinct albums, whereas this is very much, I guess, supposed to be taken as a whole if it's part one and part two. Like, would you listen to these back to back? I said I would before this was done. I remember yeah. saying yeah, I tried. In, yeah. Did you? Yeah. I haven't given it a go How was yet. that? It, it was too, too much. <laughs> yeah. too, way yeah. too much. Yeah. No, yeah. I think I got like three songs into part one and then just started part two again. I kind of admire the ambition because there's very few double records like this that have been successful. Can you name a good, a, like a good to great double album, either of you? Not that's been released in this fashion. Yeah. Um, Jesus, I don't know. It's always like a, a weird thing. Like the fucking Coldplay album is going to be a double album. Like it's just like really, yeah. like <laughs> why are we still doing this? Unless you have lads, I have twenty unbelievable songs. Like they're just mm. incredible. You have to have all of but them. But I think we're going. <laughs> there is a weird trajectory towards longer albums, and you know the conversation a few years ago was like the album as an art form is no longer taken seriously. I think it really is now. Like bands are trying to, and artists are trying to make big statements and going longer and. 
like Alexis Petridis from The Guardian was talking about Unbelievable. <laughs> really, Mark Ronson's favourite critic. Um, Craig Fitzpatrick's favourite critic. Um, but he was saying it's weird, like, you know, a lot of bands and artists are trying to deal with the state of the world right now and rather than going to the kind of punk sensibility of doing very short, snappy, you know, pop singles that leave a distinct message, they're going, like, towards proggy leanings and just doing big kind of experimental stuff which is a kind of weird way to i don't know i don't know if it's to do with live shows becoming more important if you had these two halves of a record as the entire set list it would be a good gig they'd bl- blow the roof roof off the place like do you know what i mean <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh well let's ask the the musician in the room i mean like you're currently working on an album i presume that's mm-hmm. that, that, that that's the case yeah not being released in 2019 in this deluge nope. of irish music so no Double album then, or no? Like, <laughs> absolutely <laughs> not. I don't know. Like, <clears throat> we would maybe have enough material to do it, but we wouldn't do it because yeah. I don't know quality over quantity. I suppose. Yeah, like, you can definitely pick your best songs. You don't have to be like completely precious over twenty songs. I think the the kind of one rationale I see working for these is that when they have songs that can be so long. And they feel like they have to be kind of digested almost of themselves, regardless of the rest of the record. I think a lot of the highlights from both records might be diminished by sitting next to each other because there'd be so much to take in. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I think this kind of way of releasing things kind of works. It's more digestible if they really feel that the stuff is strong enough. That it kind of that works for me. But All as right. an overall statement, it's not there. Yeah, uh, six out of ten. Yeah, I'll give it like a seven. Um, yeah. I think overall, well. maybe verging on an eight, because I did think part one was much more interesting. So you mean combining the two? Combining two, I would give it a nearly an eight. <laughs> <laughs> okay. A double album eight, which is just like fair play for trying. Jesus. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, there you go. That's false. Um I tried, you know, I really did. And like I was I was with it for a while and then I was like, actually no, it's, it's all right, it's like, okay. This episode of No Encore was engineered by Eve Murray, our sonic architect who we adore. In the other listening corner, I uh, listened to a few things this week, Craig, as noted at the start of the show. Rewatched Fight Club, so I've been back on the soundtrack to yeah. that. It's a good soundtrack. It is a good oh, soundtrack. Oh, it's a great soundtrack. Yeah. The Dust Brothers. Whatever happened to them? Apparently, I don't know, actually. apparently they were around for some time. And like still are to some degree but like that was like obviously the commercial kind of mainstream peak and I just never saw them or heard from them again Yeah, but it's a great soundtrack it is a great soundtrack score Does rather Brothers were Odelay and all that kind of stuff back weren't they I think yeah, so yes, yeah and there was some kind of legal battle over the name with somebody the Chemical Brothers I believe actually ah. um, so what else yes uh, two forthcoming Irish albums as it gets very busy in the next few weeks Jape Sentinel mm. the title mm. track emerged and I tracked down the album Oh, I'm giving it nice. two spins. I very much like very the title good. track. Yeah, it's me kind too. Of chamber poppy. Yeah, Elliot Smith it's vibes. Really, really gorgeous. Uh, friend of the show, Brendan Canty, who was on last week, mm. has said that it will win the choice prize next year. That's wow. a big statement. Bold prediction. So there you go. I'm, I've heard. I've heard it twice. So I couldn't possibly say, but it is of a high standard. That's the Canty bump. It's of a high standard. It's definitely very different to the last album. Uh, this chemical sea. There's very little in the way of bleeps and bloops, as Danny from the script might say, and did say to me. <laughs> that interview's coming soon, by the way. Uh, all. Also, I've been listening to... For more of those pearls of wisdom. <laughs> oh, oh, wait. Seriously, man. Wait till you fucking read that interview. It's unbelievable. Okay, so, no, right. Um, I've also listened to uh, the uh, like long-teased Mango and Mathman album, Casual oh, Work. amazing. What's it's it going. like? It's good, yeah. yeah. I mean, again, like I've had very little time... It's absolute dross, <laughs> imagine. <laughs> yeah. I haven't heard I'm joking. Like, they've dropped the ball like you wouldn't believe. <laughs> 
Uh, I've heard it like again two listens or so so far this week um, particularly into the first half of it which mm-hmm. kind of kicks off with some spoken word stuff into that Lisa Hannigan featured track I love which that came one. Out. it's really good that's yeah. great yeah. very 90s house vibes off yeah. it which is what I took from it but I'm sure like Mango's probably like no it isn't <laughs> so yeah stacked up 15 tracks Craig 15 tracks there's lots of interludes um, though okay that works so for me yeah, yeah that's fine lots of spoken word stuff that's so yeah fine. it's too early for me to tell on either record but they're both going to be I think you know in the conversation in cool. the next few weeks Excellent. which is a good thing Sarah Sorry. what have you been listening to Ooh, I've been listening to one of my favourite bands our Philadelphia based Saddle Creek band Hopalong and the I guess lead vocalist from that band Francis Quinlan has released solo material for the first time okay. and it's a song called Rare Thing and it's from an upcoming EP and it's pretty phenomenal like I had I, I had no idea it was coming and then it was just dropped and I was like uh oh I really hope I like this because I like everything else that she touches so very hopeful and I did I love it so that's on repeat as well as Big Thief's new album which I just yeah, can't stop so listening good. to do you prefer to the other one or is that a thing I'm trying to like follow up from Craig's thing of like well they're all part of the same yeah. statement to so. tell um I prefer not the single. I think it's incredible. Yeah, so I amazing. like that's really on repeat. Mm. Um, and I don't think it's very like any of their other singles that they've put out. Like it's kind of more long winded and there isn't like an obvious hook really in it. Yeah. It's just like a Sustained lot of kind of lyrics yeah. and she's saying a lot of important things. I think it's great. Mm. Uh, I went back to Parquet Courts. Did you? Um, yeah. Wide Awake and, uh, to be specific, which was last year's album, but it's brilliant. I think it's one of the best rock albums of the last few years. <laughs> Check it out, guys. Um, but yeah, they're a great Brooklyn band. Uh, great lyrics. Check uh, them out. So Songs like Tenderness, Total Football. I figured it'd be get like, on it. I, I just figured it'd be like Bert Bacharach this week or something. Uh, <laughs> I haven't listened to Bert in a while. <laughs> um, not since Paddy Hanna played sport for him. That kind of inspired me to go back to mm. the wonderful songs of Bert Bacharach. Apparently not a great bloke. Really? Yeah, I think he abandoned his daughter or something. But he was nice to Paddy Hanna. That's all that matters. <laughs> Wrap it up. <laughs> Thank you so much, Sarah, for coming in as Woo. we uh, pivot towards a lawsuit at the end of the episode. Fantastic. All right, uh, Eggs Muse this week comes from a hotly tipped cork-based act. I think I have done no homework on this whatsoever because I've been so busy, as always. However, I like the track. The band are called Happy Alone. The song is called Lucifer. It's a really good kind of sub-three-minute ambitious art pop jam. And it's called Lucifer, and it's nearly Halloween, so what the fuck else do you want, you know? That's what it is. Here's the song. Bye.
podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Check out my summer picks. Here I met Total Wine for rosés and Zinfandels. Cool. Here's my boyfriend picking craft beers. Does he work there? Oh, he's more than a summer fling. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, ridiculously low prices. Total Wine and more. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods, for 50 to 80% less in similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.